For our Thanksgiving meditation, I would like to begin by reading from Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter, verses 6 and 7. I think we will begin with verse 4 and read through verse 7. Let us pray. Our Father, what a passage is before us, and the thoughts that we have, we pray, will be acceptable in thy sight. We pray that we will be firmly established by the truth that we will hear today, and that our thanksgiving on this day with our families will be enriched because of the brief time that we have spent together in the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the reading of God's Word, Luke's Gospel. Chapter 12, beginning with verse 4. The word of the Lord. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, you will have noticed probably in your bulletin the title of this meditation on this Thanksgiving day is Thanksgiving for Predestinating Grace and Sovereign Providence. And it might even have crossed your mind that that's an unusual theme for a Thanksgiving service, but not really. I think it should be at the forefront of our reasons for giving thanks always in our Christian life from day to day, moment to moment, as we are upheld by God's sovereign plan in hand. And also it should be at the forefront of our Thanksgiving on this special day. Now first, let's define our terms. By predestined, we mean, the Bible means, it teaches us that the Lord, for his own sovereign purpose, has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass, yet in such a way that sinful men are responsible for their iniquities. And it especially relates, this biblical term, predestination, it's not a term that we have invented, it's all through the Bible, this term, this truth, is especially a truth that relates to the salvation of God's people from their sins. By providence, we simply mean the infallible working out of God's eternal plan in history, bringing all things to their conclusion, which God has ordained. Now I want to bring to us this morning some reasons for giving thanks for predestination and providence, and here they are. There are many more. But here are some. We should give thanks to God for his predestination and providence because it teaches us that God is God. So it gives to us a high biblical view of God who is infinite. You would expect an infinite God to have a plan that encompasses all things, and that is exactly what we are taught in the Bible. And you and I need to know that in our fallen and sin-cursed world, God is God. We need this truth because it batters down free will and human merit and causes us to worship the Lord as the only one who can redeem and save. And so right from the start, when we think of this 
sovereign plan and purpose of God, my pride is humbled and God is rightly exalted. But another reason that we should give thanks for predestination and providence is because it teaches us that God loves me. Did you notice in the passage that Pastor Ryber read to us from Ephesians in just a few moments ago, that in Ephesians we are told, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love having predestined us to be adopted as his sons in Christ Jesus. Predestination is not something to fear. It's all about the eternal love of God for his people. And though the world despise me, though the world oppose his truth, the Lord has always loved me, and he has promised to save me from my sin. And that love is an effectual love. Had God not condescended to save me, I would have perished eternally. But every believer can say, he has always loved me. He loves me now, and he will love me for eternity to come. We should give thanks for predestination and providence because it teaches us that God saves us. Indeed, again, returning to that passage that Pastor Ryber read from Ephesians chapter 1, if you analyze the passage carefully, you will see that it teaches us that the triune God is behind our salvation, that the Father chose his people, that the Son died for his people, all the way down to verse 14, where we have the application of the gospel to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It is God's marvelous, rich plan. And so, people of God, behind your salvation is the purpose and plan of God, the Holy Trinity. But also, we should give thanks for predestination and providence on this day because it opens my sinful heart a heart that never could have been and never would have been opened were it left to me. Given my depravity, given my sin, given the fact that we are born in original sin, I could never have opened my heart. But do you know the Lord Jesus Christ gives thanksgiving specifically for this point that I'm now raising? It's there in Matthew 11, verse 25, when he said, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. God opens our hearts. We should give special thanksgiving to the Father for this. But also, we should give thanksgiving for predestination and providence because it teaches us that God preserves us. God preserves me. Not only did he plan that he would regenerate and he would convert, that he would give me saving faith, but he also planned that he would keep every believer all the way to the end. He preserves us. So that we read in Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, all the way to the return of Jesus Christ. He has promised to keep his people. And in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, we find that glorification is the result of God's predestinating plan. The text is plain. There's another reason for which we should give thanks to God on this day and every day for predestination and providence, and it is because 
God is in the details. In the details of our lives, in all of the details of our lives, in ways inscrutable, but he is there. God is in the details. Just think of the Old Testament for a moment. Would Joseph have known when he was sold into Egyptian slavery that it was all in God's plan? Well, you can know when hardship comes that it's all in God's sovereign plan for his glory and for your good. And so in Genesis 15, Genesis 50 verse 20, he says to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. That's the Romans 8:28 of the Old Testament. Or that passage in 1 Kings 22:34 that tells us in battle a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale of his armor and the breastplate. But what was random for the man was purposed of God because it killed King Ahab as Micaiah the prophet had prophesied that it would. Or God in the details. Think of the passage that we read here from Luke, in which we are told, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? That's a detail, isn't it? Or even the hairs of your head are all numbered. God is in the details, and thank him that he is. But also, we should give thanks for predestination and providence because God gives steel in the backbone through this truth. When in church history you read of those who have believed this truth and it has determined their living from day to day, when you think of the Huguenots, for example, or you think of the Waldensians, or you think of all of the Protestant reformers, or you think of, of the English reformers who were burned at the stake, or we could go on and on. Those who believe this truth had moral courage and often physical courage as well because they have fed upon this truth. Have you ever given thought to the point that in chapter 12, verse 4, the Lord Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. And then he goes on to talk about providence. Do you see the connection? In recognizing God's sovereignty, we do not fear man, but we appropriately fear God. And he gives steel in the backbone. But also, another reason for giving thanks for predestination and providence is that it teaches us that God rules over the sin of men and over the moral choices of men. And how that is needed, people of God. Most importantly, had we time to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 23, and Acts 4, 28, we would see that Christ was our predestined Redeemer. We were also taught that in, the first, in first Peter, the first chapter. So we find most importantly then that the cross is the paradigm that we are to operate with when we think of predestination and providence. The cross was no accident. It was purposed of God from eternity. And yet, those who slew the Lord of glory were fully responsible for their own sins. Can you understand this? I think you cannot. Neither can I. But it's true. And we need to live upon this truth. But also, we should give thanks for predestination and providence on this day. Because through this truth, God gives assurance of faith to his people. 
If you want the most important plank for assurance of faith, this is it. So when we read in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, that wonderful passage that, well, I'll begin with verse 28, reads, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And then he specifically moves to the assurance of the believer. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure, the word of assurance, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, it may be that someone is here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, and maybe all of this talk about predestination and providence is something that you think is even foolish, but let me tell you, you are here today because God planned for you to be here, and I want to give you the gospel message. Do you want to know for time and eternity that your soul is secure? The way to do that is to trust what Jesus did for sinners, not what you do, but only what he did when he shed his blood for sinners like you and me on the cross and rose from the dead. Assurance of faith, then you will find, is grounded in a love of God that was always upon you from eternity past. Everyone who comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ is assured of that truth and that reality. But let me give you one more thought. We should give thanks to God for predestination and providence because God works love in our hearts toward God through this truth. Isn't that what we are told in 1 John 4? We love Him because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. And then as Jerome Zankius said, our obedience to God will always hold proportion to our love. Now, I want to end with an interesting providence. What we've seen this morning is that we should give thanks for predestinating grace and sovereign providence because God is God, because He loves me, because God saves me, because God opens my heart, because God preserves me, because God is in the details, because God gives steel in the backbone through this truth, 
because God, because God rules over the sin of men and over the moral chaos of men, because God through this truth gives me assurance, because God works love in my heart toward him through this truth. In all of these things, he is at work for his own glory and the good of his people. But now, an interesting providence. Our church members know Bud and Cindy Winslow, who are members of this congregation. And they're going through a hard time. Cindy is dealing with some long-term health issues, but they've been members of our congregation for a long while. And some of you may or may not know that both of them, both of them are descended from two of the 102 passengers that were on the Mayflower that landed in Cape Cod in 1620. Both of them. And the name Winslow especially should come to mind because both of their ancestors were signers of the Mayflower Compact, and it was Edward Winslow who recorded the first year in America and the first Thanksgiving. And about that Thanksgiving feast, Winslow wrote, Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that so we might, after have a special manner, rejoice together after we are gathered the fruit of our labors. They, four in one day, killed as much fowl as with a little help beside, served the company almost a week, at which time, amongst their other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the rest, their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. That was the first Thanksgiving. And so among us are descendants of those stalwart Calvinists, and we see the sovereignty of God and the salvation of sinners And in God's covenant of grace, as he planned and purposed to be a God to Edward Winslow and his descendants after him, the Lord saved these two pilgrims and chose to save their descendants, Bud and Cindy Winslow, and they are amongst us in our flock. So do you not think that God's sovereign predestination and providence are reasons for thanksgiving in the midst of the sorrows of this life, the fallenness of this life, the troubles of this life, the illnesses of this life, in the midst of the joys of this life, in the midst of living and hanging upon the promises of God for eternity? Should we not give thanks not only on this day, but every day? Because John Calvin was right when he taught that when we believe these truths— The result will be gratitude, patience, and freedom from worry. Gratitude, patience, and freedom from worry. And he also said, ignorance of providence is the ultimate of all miseries. The highest blessedness is the knowledge of it. Amen. Our Father, seal this blessed truth to our hearts that we may not come to it with, with uh, a despising heart, but with a heart that embraces it because it is true and revealed in thy word, though it is far above our minds to conceive. 
Yet, Lord, we believe the truth, and we are thankful for it on this day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.